0: Have you ever heard of scrupulosity? This is a mental health concern that is impacting more Latter-day Saints than you think. Scrupulosity is religious obsessive-compulsive disorder, where individuals are hyper-obsessed about their worthiness and repentance. Sam Baxter, a former bishop, sat down with me to talk about his lifelong struggle with scrupulosity and how he got treatment. You can watch this interview for free in the Mentally Healthy Saints Library by going to LeadingSaints.org 14, this gets you 14 days free access to Sam Baxter's interview about scrupulosity and 25 plus other interviews about ministering to those who struggle with mental health. The content is priceless for leaders. So visit leading 14 for free access. So my name is Kurt Francom and I am the founder and executive director of Leading Saints and obviously the host of the Leading Saints podcast. Now I started Leading Saints back in 2010. It was just a hobby blog and it grew from there. By the time uh, 2014 came around, we started the podcast and that's really when it got some uh, traction and took off. Uh, 2016, we became a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we've been growing ever since. And now I get the opportunity of interviewing and talking with remarkable people all over the world. Now, this is a segment we do on the Leading Saints podcast called How I Lead. And we reach out to everyday leaders. They're not experts, gurus, authors, PhDs. They're just everyday leaders who've been asked to serve in a specific leadership calling. And we simply ask them, how is it that you lead? And they go through some remarkable principles that should be in a book, that should be behind a PhD. They're usually that good. And uh, we just talk about uh, sharing what the other guy is doing. And I remember being a leader, just simply wanting to know okay, I know what I'm trying to do, but what's the other guy doing? What's working for him? And so that's why every Wednesday or so, we publish these How I Lead segments to share. All right. Today we're headed to New Zealand. I love having some uh, some diverse accents here on the Leading Saints podcast. And today we're with Wilson Wu. How are you? I'm good. Fine. Uh, great. How are you? Very good. This is this is great. Now, um, are you born and raised in New Zealand?
1: Yeah, I was born and raised in New Zealand. Uh, my parents actually immigrated uh, back in the 1980s. And then I've been here ever since. Yep. Never nice. moved. And, and where did they immigrate from? Um, so they immigrated from mainland China, um, oh, wow. from a city called Taishan. Yep. Nice. Did they raise you speaking Mandarin or anything? Or? Yeah, so that's a funny story. So I actually um, grew up speaking Taishanese, um, and I didn't actually learn it that well. <laughs> um, nice. But now I, um, I speak a, a Cantonese because of my mission language, um, and I speak a little bit of Mandarin.
0: Nice. Where did you go on your mission?
1: Oh, so I served in the China Hong Kong mission and uh, oh, it was awesome. That's where I actually met my wife actually. So Oh yeah. wow.
0: Nice. That's that's fantastic. So and, and you're a convert to the church. Maybe give us a brief summary of that story. Yeah, yep,
1: sure. Yeah. So um I'm a convert to the church. Me and my brother, we're the only members in our family. Um, we were baptized when I was thirteen and he was eleven. Um our family has no religious background at all. um, So we didn't actually get taught anything about gold or anything like that um, in the home. Um, It all started when I was about probably seven years old, when um, we had a a person from a local church actually come to our school and actually teach us about Jesus Christ. And um, that's what they used to do in our public schools, but they don't do that anymore. (laughs) And um, ever since he was talking about Jesus Christ, I just, I know I just believed in Jesus Christ and started to believe in God and um, and I think I was about 10 years old, I made the decision to actually go to church. Um, it wasn't our church, but it was just to go to church in general. And um, I remember I had a friend who actually gave me a copy of the Book of Mormon. He wasn't a member of the church. His parents actually gave it to me. And uh, I started reading the Book of Mormon, like maybe like five pages of it. And I just remember reading the Book of Mormon, just reading about Nephi killing Laban and how he made, as um, it Caesarum to to follow him. And, um, oh man, it was such a cool story. And I thought, oh man, this, this book is awesome. Um, but then I don't know what happened to that copy of Bokamon, but it just happened that when I was 10 at the same time, um, we had a family that moved in and, um, there, I became really good friends with this kid and, um, Apparently, the, the mom and the dad and the whole family, they were all members of the church. And it wasn't until maybe three years later, when I was 13, they, um, the mom actually invited me to meet with the missionaries. And um, they taught me the lessons and um, they got me and my brother and then they invited us to get baptized. And yeah, we've been members ever since.
0: Wow, fantastic. And then uh, just going through the emails that uh, we've corresponded through, you know, not just about this interview, but just in general, and I, I was reminded of an of an email you sent just about, uh, how leading saints has helped you and maybe through a dark time in your life. What's the story behind that?
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, so I, it was probably in, uh, 2021, um, the start of that year, I just felt really, um, just overwhelmed and, um, I don't know how to describe it. It was, it was kind of like a depression. It just came over me. Um, and I was talking to my bishop at the time. So, um, I served under a different bishop. We have the new bishop now since then. Um, but I was talking to my bishop, and I was the Alex president at the time. And, yeah, I was just going through a really dark time. Um, and It was really hard. And he just counseled me to actually um, meet with a counselor. And I just thought, oh, man, I don't want to meet a counselor. Like, you know, there's all that stigma behind <laughs> um, mm-hmm. meeting with counselors. And I just, you know, just swallowed my pride and just like, okay, I think I should probably see a counselor. And um, I was just talking to the counselor, just unloading my burdens. And, um, yeah, and she just recommended me to listen to this podcast. And she think she thought that um, this would actually help me out. And so I'm really grateful for that counselor to actually recommend this podcast
0: to me. Um, so, was, so the counselor recommended Leading Saints to you?
1: Yeah, yeah she, yeah. she recommended it to me. And at first I wasn't going to listen to it, but then I was like, actually, i I'll, I'll give it a listen and I just could not stop listening to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. It was actually everything that I, you know, it answered a lot of the questions that I had um, personally, but, um, yeah, I, I love how your podcast at the end it, it ends with Gordon B. Hinkley's um, quote about leadership and I was just thinking, man, like, why do I feel these feelings about loneliness and leadership? And, you know, I've been thinking about that for a long time, you know, when I had this experience. And then when I was going to listen to your podcast and I heard that quote, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is what I needed. Like Henley Far was wow. looking after me, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. it really pulled me out of a dark hole. And yeah, I'm just so grateful for this podcast.
0: Wow, cool. Well, you have to connect me with that uh, that counselor that, that recommended it. Yeah. And yeah. Did, she, did she recommend a specific podcast episode or...? Um. No, she just recommend that just the general podcast. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I definitely uh, I don't see leading saints as a general, you know, therapy uh, tool or resource. But hey, if it helps, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's great. You know, <laughs> so really cool. Now, just tell me uh, what what the church is like in your in your ward in your area, the makeup of your ward, demographics, anything that uh, would help us better understand your uh, religious community. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um,
1: Dunedin has actually had a huge history. Um, I believe it's like over 160 years or something like that. It took us a long time to go from a district to a stake. We only just became a stake uh, in 2016, and that was the time I became, you know, ward executive secretary at that time um, of my ward. And um, so we got two wards in Dunedin. Um, the unique thing about our stake is that to go from one end to the other end of the stake is a at least a five hour drive um so it's actually quite large in geographic area um but the the two wards that i'm well that that are near me the my local wards the one that i'm in the demographics is usually pretty old like probably like maybe a third of them are like really old people. And by that, I mean like widows or really quite elderly. Um, And then we're starting to get really awesome um, is that we're starting to get young families actually getting baptized into our ward. So probably a a huge chunk of that is young families. Um, And then, yeah, so that's pretty much the, main demographics of our wards. We've just got really old people and really young families as well. Um, and then the other ward here in Dunedin, um, that's mostly just young families. Um, they've got some middle-aged people and then they've got a whole bunch of students. Um, a lot of people come down here to study. So we have a huge group of young single adults um, that come down here in and that, into that ward. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Interesting. And you've had a variety of different uh, leadership roles from uh, being secretaries and clerks and now you're currently serving in the bishopric.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah.
0: Nice. Awesome. Um anything like in general your approach to and we'll talk about some of the principles you have and if and if I'm uh, you know if you want to jump into one of these principles uh feel free, but just that role as being a counselor in a bishopric like if you were giving someone else some advice of where to start uh, in a bishopric what uh, as a counselor what what advice would you give?
1: Yeah, so I think the the best advice I would give um, is if you go into a new bishop, bishopric or um, being called as a counselor for the first time, um, definitely you want to talk to the bishop um, first and just get um, get on the same page as he is, because um, you really want to know like what is his vision, what is his, I guess, what does he, is his goals for for the ward, what does he want to achieve under Heavenly Father's direction, um, because once you know that, then it'll make it easier for you to know how you can assist Bishop because you're not trying to, you know, do the opposite things of Bishop. You're trying to actually help him to move the f- ward along. Um, and I guess the second best advice is read the handbook. Yeah. <laughs> the, the handbook's <laughs> yeah. got some really good stuff there for um, new um, Bishop um, members or just any calling really, if you want to know about. Um, but yeah, definitely talk to your Bishop. I and mean, understand what your portfolios are Um, once you know that then you can get the assistance you need yeah
0: you know it's funny you have to mention to read the handbook you think that would be assumed and and I think generally it is assumed, but you get into these roles and they're very administration heavy and so week to week you just sort of get buried in okay we who we got speaking for sacrament meeting or you know what you know I gotta meet with the primary presidency, and you sort of lose yourself in these different demands and so to just have a routine of saying, "Okay, like I'm gonna get through the full handbook in the next month or something and just you know, with the gospel library, just take a chunk of it every day and just read, you know, a few pages or paragraphs or whatever. And before you know it, you're through it. And then it's amazing. You'll be sitting in a meeting and think, oh, wait, they referenced this issue or this dynamic in the handbook, let's go and see what review and see what it says.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like reading the handbook is just so so useful and so helpful, um, to be honest, I haven't actually read the whole handbook because it's quite oh a, it's quite a thick <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. it's quite a thick book um, yeah, there's a lot in there yeah, yeah, but yeah, definitely I've read all the parts for my portfolio, so I know pretty well the the things that I handle in the water, yeah
0: that's cool, very cool. well you have four great principles here that I think will give us a lot to talk about, and the first one being uh, be where the spirit guides you, yeah, unpack that. Yeah, so
1: I think it's a re- um, really important um, principle. It's something that I learned um, when I actually became the World Executive Secretary. Um, and it's got some, it's a lot of personal experiences for my life where, um, you know, I came back from the mission um, in 2013 and, you know, my number one goal was to... Um, get out of New Zealand as soon as possible. <laughs> and um, that's because, you know, I served in Hong Kong. I served with all these American um, elders and I just thought, man, I want, I want to go to America. I want to live there, you know, and uh, I was quite stubborn. Uh, you know, I, I went to university and I got a degree in international business because I thought, just take me Far away as you possibly can from New Zealand, and um, man, there's no place I want to go right now than New Zealand. We should just, you know, exchange
0: lives for a minute,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so you know, I, I really, I really wanted to leave New Zealand, and um, and I. I you know, I got married in 2014 to my wife who I met on the mission. She was another um, sister missionary. Um, and um, I was is talking Is she to... from New Zealand as well? or? No. So that's an uh, interesting part of the story is that, no, she's not from New Zealand. She's actually from the Philippines. Oh, okay. Um, and so she's, yeah, so that's <laughs> quite quite weird, eh? Um, we, yeah, we both met in Hong Kong as missionaries
0: and, yeah, we just yeah, awesome.
1: cut it off since then. <laughs> awesome.
0: Awesome. So um, keep going as far as this uh this you wanted to get out of New Zealand.
1: Yeah, so I wanted to get out of New Zealand and I just talked to my wife and it wasn't until um so I got called as the Water Executive Secretary and then it wasn't until like the start of twenty seventeen um that I I just had a feeling and I just said to my wife, Look, we got to we got to save up for a house because at that time we were just living with my mum because she's actually got a pretty large house. Um, it's two storied, and so pretty much the whole second, well, the ground floor was 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 ours. So it was kind of living in our own house, but not. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I just um, said to my wife, "Look, we need to start looking for a house," and um, and she said, "Yeah, okay." And you know, me and my wife we were quite amateur at it because like you know people know how to um get like a house broker and and stuff like that and uh look we didn't do any of that stuff we just had no idea what we were doing and we were just following the spirit and just trying to figure things out and um and my wife just said, look, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. We need to start looking for a home and, and buy a house at that time. Um, at that time, um, I was working a very minimum wage job. I was actually working at McDonald's, uh, which is quite funny. Uh, my wife has actually got, you know, she had a real job. She was actually um, <laughs> a, <laughs> a health um, caregiver um, at a rest time. Um, so she was making the money. Um, and it wasn't until probably about July of 2017 that we um, actually started seriously to looking into getting a home for ourselves. And I remember we, we went to the temple and um, before we went to the temple um, in July, we actually put an offer for a home that we wanted, but uh, we didn't actually get it. But that wasn't, that. I didn't actually feel bad about that. It was, uh, you know, I felt confirmation in the temple that, like, you look, we, these, you know, our desire to actually have our own home was correct um, and that we we're to stay in Dunedin, in, in New Zealand for, for a while. Um, I had finally accepted the Lord's will um, that that was it for us, for our family. And so when we got back, we actually found a house like a month after um, and we put an offer on it and it was really wet because the person, um, the real estate agent said, look, um, no one's actually put an offer on this house. You're the first one. And so we put an offer in and then the, you know, the homeowners at the time, they counted offered and then we counted offered and then we came to agreement. (laughs) Then we finally got our home and um, yeah, and it was really crazy because at that time we didn't actually have that much saved uh, for a home at all. Uh, We needed 10% 10, uh, deposit. That's not, I don't know if that's the same in America, Um, but yeah, in New Zealand, we needed like a 10% um, deposit at that time. And um, yeah, it was just a a huge miracle how um, the Lord actually guided our family into getting a home here in New Zealand Um, because, you know, with our home, we've actually had a lot of young single adults that stay with us, like actually live with us. Um, And we, we charged them barely any rent, (laughs) like you know, we just, you know, we, you know, we just, we believe that this home was given to us by the Lord and we use it to bless others. And um, yeah, that principle of being where the spirit needs you to be is, is, really important because, you know, I think a lot of us, we have a lot of these desires to serve the Lord and we want to serve our father in heaven. Um, you know, sometimes we seldom ask like, okay, where is it that you want me to be? Where is it that you want me to stay? And I think sometimes, You know, we can get in our head like, oh, you know, I want to be here. But is that necessarily where the Lord wants you to be? Um, Well, that's something that I've, you know, come to figure out for myself because the Lord has always directed us and given us a lot of opportunities to serve. Um, You know, and I was having this uh, conversation with my stake president um, when I actually got called to be um, bishopric counselor because I was his executive secretary at that time. Um, yeah, and that's funny because I was the state executive secretary of my state president, and when he was bishop, I was actually his ward uh, executive secretary. So he just took me <laughs> in. Went, you it. know, <laughs> um, yeah. So I was just talking to him, and we were just talking about like callings, and we were just having this long conversation about like you know how we served in the church, and you know he's had a quite a big history of church leadership callings, and um, you know one thing that we we both noticed, like you know, if I did actually go to America or somewhere else, maybe you know, when I've had these opportunities to serve, you know, and these callings that I've had served, you know, to serve, and you know, nine to ten different callings in the past ten years is is quite unheard of. Um, you know, I you know I thank Heavenly Father for a lot of those blessings. You know, to to serve in those callings, you know, because it, it's taught me a lot. It's made me grow up a lot more. <laughs> yeah, um, and to chore up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, I think it's really important that we know where the spirit wants us to be, um, and the spirit will actually guide you. Um, I, I guess I have I have another experience um, with this principle was when I was the Alice um, Com president, uh, and this was back in twenty twenty. So this was COVID lockdown, um, and in New Zealand we had quite strict um, lockdown rules, and so this was after that period. So I think we had locked down. Uh, from March until maybe like August of 2020. So that was quite a long lock, lockdown for us. Um, and this member, um, he was actually my councillor in the Alice Quorum um, Presidency with me. Uh, he worked with the local um, Pacific Trust. Um, so, you know, we got like a lot of Pacific Islanders and stuff like that. And he was a part of that community. And um, he got this big, massive box of, meat um i think it was like a pork meat and it was just tons of it and he gave me this box and he just said go and uh go and deliver this to some members that actually need it and i was like oh, okay and i thought of like one or two families that i thought of um because they were in my ministering family so i was like okay i'll, I'll deliver some some pork to them and then the, the rest of it was it was quite strange because in my mind i had it that okay i'm gonna go visit my friend who lives up the hill and and then I'll come back down and I'll drop off some some meat to other families that I think that will will love this and you know I just had this prompting to like just hey actually don't go up the hill just drive around your your neighborhood um and drop off this meat to this family and it was really weird because I was driving and I was going to go up the hill and then um I just turned and I drove into this really random um neighborhood, and I didn't really have any idea, um, you know, w- where I was going. But the but the Lord uh, pressed upon my heart that I was to deliver this meat to this um, new uh, move-in from a family that came from Samoa. And um, it was quite random because um, just as I was driving around and I was about to reach the house, um, the wife um, or the mother of that family um, was walking on the street. And I saw her, and I stopped her, and I said, like, "Hey, I've got some meat for you." And so she starts walking back to her house, maybe like a minute away. And so I drive to the house, and just as I get there, she's she's there, and um, and then I knock on the door, and and the husband comes out, and then I give them this meat, and they're really grateful for um, the meat because they, they actually needed it. You know, they were struggling at that time. Um, so yeah, so that's a really great example of you know just be where the be where the spirit needs you to, to be. You
0: know. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. And and I just love the framing that there's sometimes we we want m- more detailed and specific guidance of like, okay, who do I talk to? What do I say? You know, but just to be at peace that, well, at least I know I'm where I'm supposed to be, right? Like whether it's where you live or today as you serve, you just be where uh, you feel nudged by the spirit to be. And, and then uh, it's amazing how things just work out that way. So, yeah um, tell me about uh, being willing to serve in the invisible callings
1: yeah so this is this is a really good principle I guess I've learned over the years um and and, and it's quite interesting because um what uh, you know this past general conference with um you know out David a bedner he actually touched a lot on the, a lot of the points that I actually want to talk about um, which is like oh i must have i must have been in tune with spirit or someone
0: <laughs> <Love laughs> you it. know
1: <laughs> yeah. um yeah so i think yeah just yeah don't yeah be willing to serve in the invisible callings and what i mean by those callings is that you don't have to um be up front and the and the front line i guess battle um so you don't have to serve it you know as an analyst call or relief sanji president or bishopric members or even you know the ward council um the invisible callings um that i would consider well the coins that I would consider invisible because you don't see them that often, Um, you know, like the nursery leaders, the primary teachers, the young men advisors, the young woman advisors, um, the secretaries, especially the secretaries um, and the clerks. Um, To me, those are the invisible coins because a lot of um, the work that happens in the ward is actually like a huge bulk of the membership are not in um, those, you know, the frontline Callings, um, just like Ala David Bernard said. Um, and, you know, I, I learned this when I was the, actually the ward executive um, secretary and the stake executive secretary. It was just re emphasized that, you know, you can actually do a lot behind the scenes. You know, people don't actually need to see what you do. Um, and I was actually reminded of this great um, uh, principle uh, that I learned in the Book of Mormon um, from a friend. And he was just, um, you know in the book of mormon we we hear about nephi we hear about Laman and lemuel of course and then we hear about jacob but there's only a few instances where sam is actually mentioned um and you know sam was a righteous brother of nephi he you know he he was a good man a righteous man but it doesn't really say much after you know in the book of mormon about him and you know Like, even though it doesn't say much about him, we just know that he was a good, righteous man. And I think with the Invisible Callings, our ward, um, our members, they do so much. You know, they do so much for the ward. They do so much for um, their callings. Or even if they don't have callings, they do so much for their ministering families. And, you know, they don't need to be, I mean, you know, you don't need to be recognized to know that you are building up and serving um, God's kingdom. Um, and helping those members. And it just reminds me of that um, scripture um, in First Corinthians 12, 23, you know, the, um, those members of the body that we think are less honorable, you know, upon those we bestow more abundant honor, um, which is a really good, good scripture to describe this principle because i think yeah there are so many people in our ward that do so much but you know they don't but they don't serve in the front line callings you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah the last wagon right yes yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah that's that's powerful principle anything else related to those invisible callings uh that needs to be said
1: yeah i think yeah those are the callings that that well for me anyway it it really helped me to understand like how the ward works and i think if you get one of those invisible callings you really can serve and give it all and just like anadeva said he said you know to serve quietly faithfully um and then it's really important because you know it's not about you know it's not about the glory you know for your own gain or, or personal glory this is you know, all glory to God, because this is his church, this is his kingdom. And I love it when, um, you know, people like they compliment you and, you know, they say, oh, you're awesome at this. You know, you don't need to deflect it, but um, just put it in the back of your mind and, and just accept it and just say, thank you. But then when you're on your knees praying to your father in heaven, you know, thank him for um, the glory that you've received and give it back to your father in heaven, because it's it's His work, you know, um, and that, you know, just be grateful that you were made an instrument in His hands, that you can actually do this work, you know, and be a witness of it.
0: Amen, brother. All right, next principle is love the people you serve. This is always a, a an interesting principle because it can be so elusive or it's, it can be kind of vague as far as how to love people. So how, how have you found it most effective to love those that you serve? Yeah,
1: so um, one of the things... Um, that's really been on my mind around recently and lately. Is um, you know, where Jesus Christ he said that you know um, the shepherd leaves the ninety nine and always goes to the one. Um, he's always focusing on the one, and um, and I really believe that all of us we like individually we always have someone that we can go to and to, to minister. And in my mind. Well, maybe it's just me um, or maybe others may think it. But look, I do really think that um, that for us, there is going to be only there is going to be that one person that only we can touch um, because we know then that, well, like we're the only ones that would be able to reach out to them or get through to them. Um, and I had this. um this experience when you know when I came back from the mission, um, I was serving as the young uh, men's uh, presidency counselor, and I had this friend who had actually gone less active from the church, unfortunately, um, and and due to some unfortunate decisions he made, he actually um, left the church. Well, he was actually excommunicated, actually, um, and I just decided to reach out to him. I was actually um, studying one day and i was actually preparing for my exams uh for an accounting paper that i had at university and um i opened up my personal study like you know i, I said a prayer and i was about to to study the scriptures and i was actually reading it's kind of funny how i'm talking a lot about him but out of david abenna's book um <laughs> yeah. doctrine That's and, a good one. yeah and it, it's awesome and i really wanted to practice the principle of charity, um, having charity in me. And I just prayed. And then I said, look, uh, I'm just going to study my scriptures. I'm going to, you know, study my personal plan. Um, If you, you know, if I want to experience, you know, charity taking over me. And I just had the spiritual prompting to just, okay, you're not going to study your scriptures. You're actually just going to go out and walk. And so so I just got out of my house and I'm like, man, this is really random. This is like nine o'clock in the morning. And so I just walked like maybe like 10, 15 minutes, just aimlessly, not knowing where, you know, I should be, you know, just like that scripture, in, you know, in the Book of Mormon with Nephi. Um, and I, I went to my friend's house really randomly and I just knocked on his door and there was no response. And so I was like, oh, man. I don't want this walk to be a waste of my time. So I'm just going to knock around the house and just make sure that he's not actually there. So I was just looking through the windows, making sure that no one's home and yeah, no one was home. And then I was like, Oh, what should I do? And then uh, the spirit came to my mind and said, I'll walk to his mother's house. And so I was like, Oh, okay. And so his mom's house is like another like five, 10 minutes. So I walked to his mom's house and um, just as I arrived at, his mother's house he comes in his car and arrives at the same time as as i did when i arrived at his mum's house and i was like hey uh, do you, you came for a catch-up he's like yeah yeah i'll just talk to my mum for a bit and i'll come out and so it was really interesting because what had happened is that me and him we haven't actually caught up for a while um because you know, I served a mission and um this is the man that actually baptized me when I was a comfort to the church. So he oh, actually wow. baptized me. Yeah. <laughs> and so um so yeah, I was talking to him and I actually spent like maybe like three hours with him and he was actually um telling me, you know, a lot of things had actually happened um at that time. Um, you know, he was going through marriage problems. Um and unfortunately, he separated from. Well, he divorced his wife at that time, and it was just going through all these hard difficulties. and And it was really good to actually see him. And it was like, well, actually, I wouldn't have actually had that experience if I wasn't able to actually love him, or if I didn't have any love for him. And I think the reason why I had the experience and could be uh, prompted by the spirit to go where I needed to go was due to the fact that I actually loved him. Um, he was like a brother to me. He's always like a an older brother to me. And um, yeah, eventually, I think it was like a year later, um, he actually got re-baptized in the church. Um, I actually baptized him. So. Oh, wow, <laughs> so, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So it's not every day you get to say, you know, I bat- I baptized the person that
0: baptized me. So. Well, <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery, you know, they oh, sort of have yeah, that, yeah, that, exactly. that dynamic. That's cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's definitely you yeah, know, important to love the people that you you serve and you talk to um, because it's not coming from you, if that makes sense. It's actually coming from the Savior, Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, another experience that I had was that I actually uh, approached, and this is something probably that I don't know if other bishopric members do, but I do it, but I approach members when their temple recommends are actually expiring. And I actually ask them, hey, do you want to renew your temple Recommend yeah, that to yeah, love uh, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, just being proactive because you know I, I sincerely want them to go to the temple and and be in the house of the Lord you know um and so you know I approached these two members that that I don't really know that well but I knew that the they need to go to the temple like I just felt like they needed to go to the temple and they just need someone to say hey look we will help you out and anyway I approached these two members and they both said yes to actually. Getting these temple recommend interviews, and what really um, impressed me is that when I did the temple recommend interviews with both of them, um, like I expressed love from our savior to them, like or, like at the start and and at the end of the interview, and you know, you know what they both didn't they didn't actually pass their temple recommend interviews, both of them, and to me that was really humbling to to know or have that experience because. When I asked them to have the Temple Recommend interview, they may have an inkling or they may have actually had a thought like, I'm not going to pass. But they were still humble enough to actually go through with the Temple uh, Recommend interview anyway. And to me, that was like, wow, you know, the Savior really works in mysterious ways because, you know, I was expressing love to them, saying like, the Savior loves you. You know, don't feel bad about not you know, passing your temple recommend interview. I'll pass your name to Bishop and he'll work with you and we'll get you those temple recommend, uh, recommends so that you can go to temple. And um, yeah, so that's what I did. I passed their names to Bishop and Bishop worked with them for a couple of months. And now they both got their temple recommends. Um, so, you know you definitely have to show love or or just be willing to feel the love that the savior has for them, and that will really transform how you actually minister to your families minister to the members of your ward um especially um that's that's something that I really learned as a held quorum president is that you really have to love these people
0: and, and
1: and sacrifice as much as you can for them,
0: yeah, yeah, I love it. All right. Uh, uh, this this last principle is to be a great leader. You need to be a good follower, and so. Uh, but I, at the same time, it correlates really well with the, the closing question I always do. So the last question I have for you, Wilson, is uh, as you reflect on your time as a leader, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a really good question, and uh, you know, in my in my life, um, especially in, in these experiences with these leadership callings. Um, You know, I learned Fury early on um, that to be a good leader, you have to be a good follower. And sometimes that means that you have to follow leaders that maybe their decisions you disagree with sometimes um, and just accept and be humble to that because, you know, maybe they see things that you don't. And, you know, the people that you follow, they hold pressed keys sometimes, you know, and so because they hold pressed keys, they they hold the right to receive that revelation and you need to accept that. Um, and so I had this one experience with um, with a leader in my church. Um, he was actually a young men's leader at the time. He was my young men's president. And um, me and him, we just had like a PPI. I don't know if... PPIs still frame, or we call them PPIs. Um, administering <laughs> ministering interview,
0: let's call yeah, it. Like
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so he just sat me down. I was probably like 16 at that time, and I just love him. um And, you know, to me, he was more of like a father figure to me because I, I didn't grow up with a dad in the home. So he was more of a father figure to me. And, um, you know, we were just talking about like callings and just serving and just in general, and just talking about like the future, like what I want to achieve and, you know, serving a mission and stuff like that. Cause he knew that I wanted to serve a mission. Like, you know, I, I've always wanted to serve. And he just, I don't know how we got onto it, but we just got onto the um topic of like serving in the church. And I don't know why. I and mean, I, I just remember having this experience with him. I said, like, oh, I don't have a calling. Like, I just, you know, I just do my, you know, I just do my thing as a priest and I just, you know, and I, you know, come prepare sacrament and, and bless it and stuff like that. And, you know, he said to me, look, you don't need a calling in the church to actually serve. You, you're doing a lot um, in your, in your priesthood office. And, you know, that goes back to the, you know, the principle of serving in the invisible callings, you know, don't be afraid to just, just serve, you know, you don't need a calling to serve. You know, I think sometimes we get it fixated in our head that we, um we need some sort of assignment to go out and serve. But nah, if as long as it's under direction of Heavenly Father and, you know, you're not, you know, I guess going against the keys that the bishop holds, then it's all good. Like, you know, you're doing what you're meant to do. You go out and you serve. And um he was and then he just reminded me of like the example that I had among our young men, and I, d- I didn't think of it at the time because I was a recent convert. Well, like I would have been a convert for like what three or four years at that time, and he was just saying like, "Look, look at these young men that you've inspired to help go on missions. Like, to inspire them to go on missions because you've, you know, you're preparing so hard out <laughs> right now to serve a mission, and it's rubbing off on the uh, the other young men." Um, and I didn't think about that. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, to be a good um, leader, yeah, you have to follow the principles that our church leaders um, set out. And um, I, I guess there's another experience that I had was uh, when I was the um, the stake executive secretary um, and for my stake president. And I love my state president because he's very onto it. He's very... Um, what's the word like straight to the point um it, it, yeah so he won't you know he's not afraid to just tell you straight up how it is and you know and he's not afraid to tell his ideas and feelings which i really appreciate actually um and but there was this one time in the meeting where we uh we were actually discussing callings and you know i really like um that principle um, that you shared, uh, you know, that um, that scripture in Doctrine and Covenants um, about, like, you know, if it's done faithfully, if it's done, you know, if you record it faithfully, done in the name of Jesus Christ, then, it, you know, it's all good, you know. It's Doctrine
0: and Covenants 128
1: verse 9. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I really love that, that scripture. Um, and, yeah, we were discussing callings and it, it came to a topic um, of what calling, uh, well, which person should hold this calling and I put I put maybe like a couple of names forward and everyone else put a couple of names forward and um you know and and the state president um just I don't know I've, I think he felt like at that time I mean looking at hindsight t- is always 2020 right um at that time he obviously felt like it wasn't correct those names you know that we actually put forward um and you know he called someone else and it was kind of weird because at that time at that meeting at that time I thought oh, why, why won't you call this person? Like, this person would be great and excellent at this job. And then it was only for a split second. And then the Spirit just reminded me, hey, he's he's the president leader. Sustain him. And so so I had this, I guess, a chastisement and a rebuke from the Spirit saying, hey, you need to sustain, sustain him. And so I did. So, you know, I was really happy. um, um, with that experience because two weeks later, I think he actually proposed a name um, for the this calling and I was like, okay, sweet, I sustain, let's do it. And you know, one of the things as a stake executive secretary is that, um, you know, any callings from the stake, you you, you put it out to the um, the High Council for approval and that's, you know, I was typing it in and I was pretty happy and then, you know, send it off to the High Council and just waiting for their responses to come in for approval. Um, So, yeah, that was a really a good experience, humbling experience just to be reminded, hey, to be a good leader, you need to be a good follower. And sometimes that means following leaders that make decisions that you don't necessarily like, but afterwards you might be able to understand or you might not understand those decisions. But, you know, our responsibility is to to sustain those that hold the keys, those priesthood keys.
0: see if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. Remember, to watch the interview about scrupulosity, go to leadingsaints.org slash 14 for free access to the Mentally Healthy Saints virtual library.